What's up guys, this is Taking the Field with Stevie Mac, and on this episode, I've got your Week 2 Premier Lacrosse League preview for this upcoming weekend down in Atlanta. So on this episode, we're going to get to a couple things here. We're going to go over every game I'll touch briefly on all five games coming up this weekend. Then later on in Segment 2, I've got a topic that I want to get to. What winless team has the best shot at success in 2021? So we're looking at those bottom four teams in the rankings following week one again as we head in to week two in the PLL so we'll get to that a little bit later on and then your thoughts at the end of the show plus the week two picks challenge for the podcast taking the field with Stevie Mac you can go check that out at Stevie Mac Media on Twitter is where I post those every week for the show. So we'll get to those a little bit later on. But to start off this first segment with previewing all five matchups here this upcoming weekend on Friday, it's the Chaos facing off against the Water Dogs, two of those winless teams following week one, like I mentioned uh, in the opening. The chaos made the game against the Whip Snakes look more competitive than I think it really was, and I talked about that a lot on Monday's episode. They played well for about one quarter, which was that fourth and final quarter. They outscored the Whips four to nothing in that final 12-minute period, but they had 17 turnovers in that game. And again, the Whip Snakes defense just looks completely unfair again this year. They came in returning probably the number one defense in pro lacrosse history in terms of shooting percentage against them a year ago. So having to play against that defense is a tall task for any offense, I think, this season. And Blaze, by the numbers, Blaze Reardon didn't play poorly in that game. He actually had 19 saves and went 61% between the pipes. But you don't really want to, I don't really want to step on this too much because I am going to talk about these two teams, the Chaos and the Water Dogs, later on in that second segment as as part of the winless teams and where they can go the rest of the way. So I will touch on them more specifically, more in depth uh, later on in this show. But I think the plan for the chaos is just they need to execute better across the board outside of Blaze Reardon in the cage. I mean, you look at the defense. The defense looked a little bit slow against the Whip Snakes last week. They didn't look totally ready to match up with some of their shooters. Um, you know, look at faceoff Max Adler again, like I said on Monday, he struggled at the stripe on uh, over the weekend in week one. So hopefully he uh, has a little bit easier go of it here in week two because they do have the chaos have two games coming up this weekend. So hopefully that helps him get back on track a little bit to being the guy that I think we all know he can be. And then you look at the offense again, like I said, 17 turnovers in game one, not the kind of way that you want to start the season offensively. But I think that when you have a guy like Andy Towers leading the way, he's the kind of guy that can motivate these guys into playing well against some tough competition here this weekend and beyond the rest of the way too. So he's the kind of guy that I think you want leading a group like this because you know how talented they can be. Now they just have to work on bringing that out. But then on the other side for the Water Dogs, we didn't see much production out of them offensively in week one, four offensive players registering a point, the other one coming from an LSM. And to make matters worse, now they have to play without Sowers for what we can assume to be an extended period of time. 
Jake Withers was one of the bright spots, I would say, for the Water Dogs in their first game. But on the flip side, Dylan Ward definitely struggled in his first start in the PLL. And again, this is all stuff that I mentioned on Monday's episode. But the combination of McArdle, who now we know seeing the rosters being announced for week two, McArdle will not be there. But him, Ryan Brown, and Mikey Schlosser combined went 0 for 14 shooting against the Cannons last weekend. And that needs to be better moving forward this weekend, even without McArdle, because Ryan Brown and Mikey Schlosser will still be there in Atlanta. But that needs to be better from the those guys specifically moving forward the rest of the way. So then on Saturday, the Whip Snakes will take on the Cannons. Both those teams have one win so far this year. The Cannons, though, have also dropped a game back in week one. The Whip Snakes, for three quarters, I think, dominated the chaos in their week one matchup. The defense, as I said, is absolutely frustrating for opposing offenses. It's it's suffocating, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it. And the offense is so smooth and so on selfish with the way that they move the ball when they're on offense it's just it's so fun to watch them play the game of lacrosse and Joe Nardella is plain and simply a stud and that's all there is to it and for the Cannons I think that I was very impressed with what I saw from them last week I think that they're on their way to taking a big step forward this week and facing a team like the Whipsnakes will be a great early test for them this season to to see where they're at versus maybe where where they want to be And Rabel showed that he can still make things happen when he has the right team around him in order to do so. But now he needs to build on last week's performance and show that that wasn't just a one-time thing, that he's still capable of having that kind of production week in and week out. And Brody Merrill is another guy that I think showed that he's still the gold standard for defensemen. But then again, I think the, the Cannons' entire defense looked very good last weekend. And I think that they might be one of those teams that can actually challenge the Whip Snakes offense. I could be totally wrong about this come Saturday, but that's something that I'll definitely be watching out for is how their defense, specifically their poles, match up with this Whip Snakes offense. And then offensively, I think you know where the ball needs to go after week one. We we really saw where they're trying to go with the ball, who who their real playmakers are, meaning Lyle, Andrew Andrew Q, excuse me, uh, Stephen Rafis, even Rabel at times uh, can do things with the ball and his cross still. But if the Cannons can hang with the Whip Snakes this weekend, I really believe that they can hang with anybody in this league. The other game on Saturday is going to be the Redwoods, who went 2-0 last weekend. They're the lone 2-0 team in the league currently, and the Atlas at 0-1. The Redwoods looked Good on offense with Pinnell leading the charge at X. He leads the league currently in points following week one. It'll be fun to watch possibly the matchup of the game in TD Erland versus Trevor Baptiste, both facing off at over 60% through that first week. And Tim Troutner made some really big saves in game two for the Woods. So I expect for him to do a lot of the same in this game as long as the Atlas actually are able to get off shots and land them on cage. And the defense, I think, really got settled after that first quarter versus the Cannons. And I think their defense can help set the tone against this Atlas offense, who's still trying to to figure itself out, trying to identify itself. And especially if the Atlas have more unforced errors and unforced turnovers, like I talked about on Monday. And right now, I just think that the Redwoods are 
more capable than the Atlas to be able to win this game. I think that I believe in them more in order to win this game, but the Atlas can help themselves, I think, in three ways. First is simply by playing better defense, especially out of the midfield with their shorties. It'll be interesting for me to see how they match up specifically being the the shorties for the Atlas, how they match up with the Woods midfielders after having to deal with the speed of the Archers midfielders, guys like McNamara, Schreiber, uh, even uh, Connor Fields playing midi listed as attack, but playing midi last weekend. And I just want to see better communication as a whole out of this Atlas defense too. everybody being on the same page, knowing your responsibility, knowing where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there, things like that, just overall playing more fundamentally sound defense. And with that, please, for the love of God, no more ball watching. I'm so tired of watching these guys. And again, I, I addressed it on Monday year after year. It's it's different guys, but the same problems. Please, no more ball watching on defense. It's just not good. It's not fun to watch. But the second way I think that they can have a shot or at least improving from week one to week two is that again, the, the no unforced errors, no more throwing the ball out of bounds on wide open passes, no more stepping on the crease when you're in tight, uh, working on offense and just making the simple play. Don't overthink it. Just make the play that's there in front of you. Take what the defense is giving you and say, thank you and move on. Don't, don't actually say thank you though, but I digress. And then the third thing is that they're going to have to win faceoffs moving forward. And I think in doing so will allow them to get the ball to their offense more often. And it may become a case where they, where their best defense is their offense being able to, to keep the ball away from the opposing offense, whether it be the archers, the redwoods, the whip snakes, whoever it is being able to win possession off faceoffs, get it to your offense and at least hold on to it for 52 seconds to keep it away from the other team's offense. Your offense might become your best defense at some point, at least in the early going this year, while you're still trying to iron some things out and figure out where guys, fit and sort of gelling this team together, especially on the defensive side. And like I said before, I think that that matchup between TD Erland and Trevor Baptiste will be a huge battle to watch here on Saturday afternoon. So then we got two games on Sunday, the Chrome against the Water Dogs, the Water Dogs in their second game on the weekend. The Chrome will be without Jordan Wolf after suffering an injury in week one. And that means Jordan McIntosh, Justin Guttering, and their trio of rookies in Jackson Morrill, Ryan Tarafanko, and Justin Anderson will be very important, I think, to the success of this team and this offense more specifically moving forward. Tim Sudan also went out this week and added Kevin Rogers, a rookie, and Tom Palasek from the player pool to help with their numbers on offense. Galloway, John Galloway didn't play exceptionally well in week one, giving up 14 goals, but he did end up making 10 saves in that game last week. And I think if he can bump up his save percentage a few points this week, uh, I think that the Chrome could have a really good shot of winning that game against the Water Dogs. And I think the same goes for Connor Farrell, who faced off at 44% a week ago. If he can get that up over 50% or around 50% in that game, the Chrome should have more than enough opportunity to go out and win that game on Sunday. 
And as I mentioned in their first game of the weekend, the Water Dogs need guys like Schlosser and Brown. McCardle's not going to be there, but they need guys like that who can just put the ball in the back of the net. They need to do better this weekend with their shooting percentages. And I think much like the absence for of Wolf for the Chrome, the, the Water Dogs need more balanced scoring with the absence of Michael Sauer. Steve DiNapoli should not and probably won't be, I would hope, your leading scorer through the first two weeks of the regular season. And Jake Withers can be the guy that can win all the faceoffs he wants, but the offense has to be able to do something with it when he gets them possession. Kind of like I mentioned with Trevor Baptiste, he can win. He can win you all the faceoffs he wants, but you have to be able to do something with it when he gets you that opportunity. Goalie play, I think, needs to be better. Ward struggled last week. We all know that. If he struggles on Friday, I wonder if they'll go to their bench and bring in one of their backups, depending on who they carry on the active roster this weekend. I looked very briefly before this episode, but I can't remember offhand which one it was. And then on Sunday, the Chaos, in their second game of the weekend, will play the Archers coming off that big win against the Atlas to round out week two down in Atlanta. Real quick as we wrap up this segment, we're up against it right now, but the Chaos need to look ready to go this weekend with these two games on tap in week two. They didn't look ready to match up with the Whipsnakes in week one, and they really failed to show failed to show up until the fourth quarter of that game, again, outscoring the Whipsnakes four to nothing in that final quarter of play. And if anyone can motivate, like I said earlier in the segment, if anybody can motivate this team for a two game weekend, which they really need to come out of with at least one win, I think it's a guy like Andy Towers. This guy is just a ball of fire in the locker room and on the sideline, motivating his guys. And I think for the archers, it'll be interesting to see what their offense looks like against an actual defense. Yes, I said what I said. Can they get another high-level performance out of Adam Gittleman, too, is another thing I'll be watching for. How does their offense play when a defense actually applies some pressure to them? Can Adam Gittleman have another solid weekend in the cage for the Archers? And... Really, that's what I'll be looking for this weekend from each of these matchups in all five of these games. I think it'll be a fantastic weekend of lacrosse down in Atlanta for week two. But when we come back, I want to talk about the winless teams heading into week two and which one has the best makeup to be successful this season. You're listening to Taking the Field with Stevie Mack. Welcome back to Taking the Field with Stevie Mack. I mentioned before the break, we'd be getting into who of the winless teams, the Chrome, the Chaos, Water Dogs, and Atlas, have the best shot at seeing the most success this season. And yes, I understand it's only week two, but I feel like this is something where we can kind of see the future. We can predict what may or may not happen for some of these teams just based upon what we saw from some of them in week one and kind of now that we know a little more about them than we did a week ago I think that this is something that we might be able to get into and it's it's something that we can address I think in a couple weeks as well once we've gotten a bigger picture of these four teams and maybe even some of the other four teams like the Whipsnakes, the Redwoods, the Archers, and the Cannons. So this is something that we might readdress here in a couple more weeks. But starting it off, I got the Chrome. The offense has the opportunity 
to possibly be the best we've seen from this club, even with the absence of Jordan Wolf. I think Justin Anderson can be a big help with production offensively, and adding Kevin Rogers and Tom Palasek from the player pool should help this offense as well, taking some of the pressure off guys like Justin Gutterding to do it all. And I think if Farrell can be a top five faceoff guy in terms of overall percentage again this summer, because I believe he finished top at least top five last year. I'm not sure about top three, but definitely top five in 2020. Then I think he'll help out a lot as well. And Galloway should, I think, for the most part, be good enough to keep you in most games. I mean, he didn't play particularly great last weekend, and yet you still came within about two possessions of winning that contest. Then I got the chaos. Blaze is still Blaze, so you have no worries there in the cage, as I mentioned in segment one, but the offense looked sloppy at times a week ago, so if they can clean up some of their some of their mistakes, some of their uh, miscommunications, then I think they'll be fine offensively. Defensively, they might have shown that they'll struggle against teams that can whip the ball around on offense, i.e. the Whip Snakes, the Redwoods, the Archers, etc., etc. But Adler has to be better at the stripe moving forward. In week two, he'll go against Jake Withers and Stephen Kelly, so obviously some stiff competition there at the stripe coming for him this weekend. So I'll be interested to see how he comes out this weekend and faces off against those guys. And then as I mentioned in segment one, Andy Towers is that guy that you want light the fire under this team in big games and I think every week is going to be a big game in the PLL no matter if it's the whip snakes if it's the archers if it's the atlas whoever it is every game in the PLL this year is going to be so highly competitive and such a big game when you think about the overall standings and just the overall competition for getting into the postseason and competing for a championship then I've got the Water Dogs. The offense needs to get going here in week two. They have two chances to do so here in week two. And I think having your best shooters not named Sowers go 0 for 14 in game one is the exact opposite of what you wanted to have happen. So again, that needs to be better here in week two and beyond. Kieran McArdle not going to be on the active roster here this weekend. But Jake Withers will win you a fair share of faceoffs and maybe becoming one of the better faceoff guys not named Nardella in the PLL. Ward definitely needs to be better in week two and show people that he is as good as advertised and that he's ready to be the starting goalie in this league and for this team. And the bottom line here is that the Water Dogs need to win at least one of the two games here this weekend. And I think, again, like I said before, that same thing could be said for the Chaos as well, who also have two games coming up here this week. And then finally, I've got the Atlas. You all know my stance on the Atlas after Monday's episode. And I, I'll say this, I'm hard on them because I love them. And I'm a day one Atlas fan, so I'm only hard on them because I want them to be successful and I want them to be better than what they are because I always believe since day one, since 2019, I I've always believed that they are a better team than what they show us week in and week out. And I don't think it makes me a bad fan for being hard on them and wanting them to be better than what they are. I just don't think that. But the offense needs to clean up the unforced errors while also showing more of a sense of urgency late in the shot clock, in late shot clock situations. Because who really is their late shot clock go-to guy? Is it Eric Law? Is it Mark Cockerton? 
we don't really know at this point. When you look at some of the other teams around the league, the Redwoods have Pinnell, the Whipsnakes have Rambo or Zed, the Archers have Schreiber, the Cannons have Lyle. The Atlas need a guy that when it's late in the shot clock and you need to make something, even something out of nothing, you need that guy that you can put it in his cross and know he's going to go make a play for you. Because most of those other teams that I just named all have at least one guy that they can go do that with. And the Atlas need to find that guy, whether it's Law, Cockerton, Bacaro. I'll even throw out Jeff Teat if and when he actually arrives on the scene in the PLL. But defensively, the Atlas cannot afford to have Jack Cannon struggle the way he did in the first half against the Archers. He needs to be more like the second half Jack Cannon that we saw on Saturday night, especially against that Woods offense, where again, just like he saw a week ago, you're going to be seeing shots from every which way, from the midfield, from the attack from all sorts of different angles. They're going to run a lot of different action at you. He has to be ready from the opening faceoff. They cannot afford to get down 13-3 to two weekends in a row. And I think defensively, the shorties need to be better. Obviously, I've talked about that a ton since Monday's episode. And the Poles just can't keep getting caught ball watching in front of the cage. They let so many archers guys just slip into the crease and have wide open looks out in front of Jack and Cannon because they were turned around watching the ball for even just a second or two. And bam, their guy's gone to the cage. They turn around and they have no idea what just happened. But I think it'll take time for this team to really pull it together. And as I said Monday, all I'm looking for right now is for a week-to-week improvement. That's it. If you improve from one weekend to the next, game by game, make those little adjustments, make those those tweaks to the lineup or to whatever it is that you're doing. Once guys start buying in a little more, once that starts to happen, then the wins will come. But I just need to see that effort, that fight, that, that buy-in by the players and just seeing that they're making those adjustments week in and week out to get better week after week after week. But when we come back, we'll round out the show. I've got your thoughts on week two coming up and also your thoughts on this best of the winless segment that we just did. So we'll get to your thoughts here next. Plus, we'll do the week two Twitter poll picks challenge. Again, you can check that out every week prior to the upcoming schedule of PLL games at Stevie Mac Media on Twitter for that and all other lacrosse related discussions. But you're listening to Taking the Field with Stevie Mac. All right, welcome back to Taking the Field with Stevie Mac, the final segment of the Thursday edition of the show. We'll get to your comments right now. Then we got the picks for week two a little bit later on from in TD we trust on Twitter. He says at TD Erlen versus at Trevor Baptiste nine at the stripe will be the matchup of the weekend. And yes, I mentioned this in segment one when breaking down that Redwoods versus Atlas matchup on Saturday afternoon. That will be, I think, the position battle to watch. Most of the time, you'll notice it's a defenseman against an attackman and how that battle plays out during the game. But here, I got to go at the stripe and watch how these two go at it because both of them, as I said, are facing off north of 60% following week one. So their ability to win faceoffs for their team is going to be absolutely huge in this game. 
from Michael Ramirez on Twitter. He says, I just want to see an improvement from the Atlas. They don't have to win, but I like to walk away from the TV in a better mood this weekend. Hashtag horns up. And yes, after that game against the Archers a week ago, I definitely feel that same way. I just said it before the break. All I want to see from them is that week-to-week improvement. Show me that these guys are buying in. Show me that the system is working. Show me that you're making those little adjustments each and every week to better put yourself in a position to win games at some point here this year. Because like I said on Monday's episode, they don't necessarily have to wait until 2022 to be competitive. They can be competitive here in 2021. Now, whether that means wins and losses, whether that means how much they lose by hopefully more than 12 points, or I should say less than 12 points as they did a week ago. But whatever that means, whatever that means to be competitive, I believe they have the the means to do it here in 2021. From Michael Grine on Twitter, he says, This weekend, Chaos Water Dogs on Friday night is huge. Who wants it more? The real test for the Cannons against the Whipsnakes on Saturday, and I expect that game to be close. Atlas have to regroup quickly to face the Woods, who were somewhat sloppy last weekend but are still 2-0. Yeah, I think the Chaos Water Dogs is going to be a great opening game on Friday night for this week to set up. Uh, And again, I think like he said, it's who wants it more. Both teams come in 0-1. Neither one really wants to go down 0-2 on the year because they both then have to play again on Sunday against different opponents, as we've already touched on. But they do have to play two games here in week two. So neither one really wants to start out the weekend with a loss and fall to 0-2 overall. Yeah, the Cannons probably will have a lot going for them, you know, a lot to handle on Saturday against the Whip Snakes. That'll be a big early season test for them, but you always have to enjoy those early season tests. I think the players enjoy it. I think the coaches enjoy it, and I'm sure us as fans will enjoy it as well. And then, yeah, the Atlas, again, they have to regroup quickly in order to face this team, but not just the the Redwoods, but any team, I think they have to regroup, show that last week was just a bad week for them, not a lot going for them. They need to come back this week, and even if they lose, show that they're willing and able to be competitive with a team like the Redwoods. And yes, they were a little bit sloppy a week ago, especially in that first game. They had some turnover issues in the first half against the Cannons. But once they really got going, this was a really fun Redwoods team to watch. Moving on to the best of the winless segment from segment two and some of the comments we got from that. Michael Ramirez says, I go with chaos on this one. Coach Towers will have the boys refocused this weekend. Atlas isn't close and injuries to Chrome and Water Dogs might be huge blows, but it is very early in the season. Yeah, I mentioned that at the start of segment two. I I prefaced it by saying that it, it is very early in the year. I get that. This is definitely a topic that I think we can circle back to in a couple weeks and and maybe see where we were right where we were wrong maybe one of those top four teams hits a little bit of a scuffle and they fall into that bottom four then we can bring them into the discussion as well so it is something that we will readdress possibly in a few weeks once we know a little bit more about these teams and the way that the standings will shake up but yeah I definitely think the chaos are one of those teams that are definitely primed moving forward to still have a great season even though they did drop that game 
in pretty convincing fashion to the Whipsnakes a week ago, but you can't totally judge a team on that one game, kind of like the Atlas. You can't totally judge them on their performance or lack thereof against the Archers because there's so much more that has yet to play out. Uh, let's see. Jonathan Ellis says, hmm, this one's tricky, but I do like the Palasek pickup from the Chrome a lot to repair the attack line. Moreover, they feel like the team with the most fight back in them out of the Owen ones. So I tentatively have hope. Here's hoping their game against the Water Dogs doesn't make me a fool here. Yeah, like I said, it's definitely early on, so we could be completely wrong about some of these takes, myself included in that, so we will have to circle back to this discussion to see how right or how wrong we may have been. But I do think the Chrome are that other team, possibly, that has that sort of makeup to be able to make an impact even this early in the year and th throughout the rest of the year as well. One of those teams that's not currently in that top four after week one, but still has more than enough there for them to be able to compete and make their way up into that top four later on this season. And then finally, Michael Grind says, for winless teams, I go Chrome. The injury to Wolf and suspension excuse me, of Gaudette hurt, but they are still dangerous. Chaos always competitive, but inconsistent, and that defense doesn't look like it can stop someone of high-powered offense. And that's what I said earlier on in the show is they may or may not have shown us that they will struggle against some of these higher-powered offenses like Michael said. When you look at them against the, the team like the Whip Snakes, and they just looked a little bit too slow to match up with them uh, defensively on Saturday. Uh, that's something worth noting moving forward when they play a team like the Redwoods, when they play a team like the Archers or even the Cannons who have Lyle and Andrew Q and Stephen Rafis and those guys. When they play those teams, how will they match up defensively? So now we'll move on we got your thoughts in the mix on that, but we'll move on to the picks challenge as we wrap this episode up the Thursday edition of taking the field with Stevie Mac. The current standings after week one, I'm in the lead by one game four to one following week one. The polls are three and two. So you guys are right on my heels and this will be an interesting weekend to see how the standings shake up after week two for this picks challenge. Again, you can go to at Stevie Mac media on Twitter to check those out each and every week. So game one, the chaos and the water dogs, the polls will take the water dogs. I've got the chaos in this one. I think blaze Reardon is the better goalie in cage right now between the two sides but the water dogs have the edge in my opinion at least going into the game at the face-off stripe but what do the water dogs look like without Michael Sowers I think is going to be the question here this weekend what does this offense look like without him behind the cage sitting at x and sort of quarterbacking this offense and again being that guy that I talked about before that late shot clock situation guy where he gets it at x and he just makes something happen. Game number two on the weekend from Saturday, Whip Snakes versus Cannons. The polls will take the Whip Snakes. I will do so as well. It's really hard to bet against Jim Stagnita and the Whip Snakes because I think the Cannons will keep it close, but the Whip Snakes will eventually, in the end, overpower them. But I think it'll be a close game. I'm talking 14 11, 14 12. 
you know, 13-10, something of that caliber, where it's going to be a really close game, and it's going to be probably one of the better games to watch this weekend. Game two on the Saturday slate, number three for the weekend overall, is the Redwoods and the Atlas. The Poles take the Redwoods. I will do so as well, because the Redwoods just have more going for them at the moment, and they've had an extra game to play together, to gel together, to figure each other out, because they had those two games a week ago, the Atlas just the one, and the the Atlas, excuse me, simply just need to show improvement, that week-to-week improvement Make those little adjustments, show that you can be better than what you were a week ago, and just make the Atlas fans have something to cheer about. Look, you know, have something to look forward to. Then you got the Sunday games, Chrome against the Water Dogs to lead off the Sunday slate. The polls look like they'll take the Chrome. I've got the Water Dogs in this one. And I think if the trio of Ryan Brown, Kieran McArdle, again, I put this episode together before the rosters for this weekend were announced, but if Brown and Schlosser at least can be productive this weekend, then they should at least win one out of two. I have them losing to the chaos. So here we are. This is the one that I think in that case that they will win. And then the last game of the weekend, the Chaos and the Archers. The Poles take the Archers. I will do so as well. I think the Archers really benefited from playing an Atlas team that wasn't ready for them defensively. So we'll see what they do versus the Chaos D and Blaze Reardon in the cage. But still, you can't knock them for what they did a week ago. The Archers are a very good lacrosse team, and I think that they are very capable of winning this game. So that'll do it for this episode of Taking the Field with CV Mac. Again, we covered a ton here on this episode. We previewed all the week two matchups. We got into the best of the winless teams so far heading into week two and who has the best shot at being successful moving forward. And we got to the picks here in week two. So we'll check back with those on Monday's episode. See how that shakes out here this weekend down in Atlanta. But that'll do it for me. I'll talk to you guys guys later.